and welcome to this reading of City View. I'm Eileen Bowerman. City View is an alternative monthly published in Des Moines. This reading is the first episode from the November issue of City View 2023. Our first article today is The Civic Skinny by the City View staff. Headlines Highest Nonprofit Executive Salaries. City Council Race Heats Up. And Iowans Nice to Delivery Drivers. This is by the City View staff. Last month, City View gathered information on the highest bonuses and salaries of nonprofit executives in Iowa, omitting those at the head of health care oriented nonprofits. This month, we will highlight the executives with the largest salaries of the top five nonprofits with the highest gross receipts in central Iowa, according to GuideStar.com. The Central Iowa Hospital Corporation sits atop the healthcare nonprofit mountain with a listed $1,488,485.14 in gross receipts. According to their 2021-19, excuse me, 2021-990 tax form, the highest earning employee is not an executive, but is radiation oncology physician Robert Isaac. Isaac's total compensation is listed at $1,016,910,000. Their highest paid officer was listed as Chief Medical Officer Tracy Elkhart with her earnings totaling out to $838,262. Catholic Health Services is second with $899,251,353 in gross receipts. Their most recent 990 tax form is from 2022. Five of the organization's executives received more than $1 million in compensation, with the highest being Director and CEO of Mercy Health Network, Robert Wrights. Wrights' total compensation comes out to two million forty-two. Their highest compensated employee is Network Hospital President Sean Williams with a listed total compensation of $1,179,758. In West Des Moines, the Iowa Physicians Clinic Medical Foundation comes in third in terms of gross receipts with $568,638,692. Their 2021-990 tax form was available. President and CEO Sanjem Kutura topped their executives' earnings. Kutura listed compensation of $1,086,913,000. Their top five highest paid employees are all physicians, with the highest paid being Rajiv Fernando, at $1,520,287. Staying in West Des Moines, Iowa Health System is next in fourth for gross receipts at $440,701,690. Their 2021-990 form shows that Executive Vice President and COO Art Nieces' compensation came in at $2,144,889. President and CEO Clay Holderman is next, with a total compensation of $1,549,142. Last but not least, and remaining in West Des Moines, is Unity Point at Home. 
The most recent available 990 tax form was from 2020 and their gross receipt numbers came to 356,916,210,000. Listed as a board member, Pamela Della Gardell, now CEO, topped their highest reported earners at 1,470,151. Their next highest paid executive is President and Chief Clinical Officer, listed as Margaret Van Oosten, earning 681172 In August, the state's Executive Council approved the use of up to $21.3 million in pandemic relief money to move state employees out of the Wallace State Office Building, the building located at 402 East 9th Street in downtown Des Moines, in downtown Des Moines, is home to the iconic windows that reflect the Capitol Building. According to a state report, the recommended list of renovations for the Wallace Building would cost up to $73 million. A total of 540 state employees will make the move to the new building as the purchase was made official after the state of Iowa purchased the two-story office building at 6200 Park Avenue from William C. Knapp, L.C. for $18 million as of September 28, 2023. The boom of delivery services during and since the pandemic mean more people than ever are having goods delivered to their doorsteps. According to USA Today, the average delivery service customer spends $407 a month in 2023 on deliveries, up from $107 in 2021, and almost no one is nicer to those delivery drivers than Iowans. According to a study by RegionalFoundationRepair.com, Iowa is the seventh nicest state to delivery drivers in the country. A total of 67% of Iowa households say they always smile at delivery people. 60% always make eye contact with them. 52% become more generous tippers during the holiday season. And 23% know their mail delivery driver by name. Iowans like to keep out of their neighbor's business. A study by All Star Home shows residents in the Hawkeye State have the six least nosy neighbors. A total of 26% of Iowans say they have neighbors who invite themselves over. 22% who say they have neighbors who ask them inappropriate questions. And 49% reported having neighbors who watch them from afar. Which begs the question, who's watching who? If you feel like you're being watched, it might be your partner. According to yet another study by BonusFinder.com, Iowans are the sixth most likely state to have spied on their partner to see if they were cheating on them. 39.6% of Iowans who were surveyed admitting to snooping. People from Iowa ranked first for those who used social media as their preferred method of surveillance, tied for second for using Find My iPhone to track their partner's location online and for checking their partner's phone records or bills, and third for showing up unexpectedly at their partner's workplace or social events. And finally, the state of Iowa agreed to an interim settlement brought on by Medicaid-eligible children with serious mental and behavioral health needs. The lawsuit asserted that Iowa administers an inadequate mental health system that does not provide children and youth with legally required services.
This is according to written comments from the Iowa Human Health Services. From the press release, over the course of the next several months, the state will develop an implementation plan that will bolster and reinforce the significant actions already taken in recent years to improve the mental health system in Iowa. CityView reached out to Iowa Human Health Services for more details on what can be expected from the implementation plan, but did not receive the information by press time. And that was the Civic Skinny. Our next article is by Randy Evans, his Stray Thoughts column. Headline, There's Little Agreement on What is Wasteful. It is easy for most of us to agree there is room for the federal government to reduce spending, but the challenge comes in trying to get people to agree on where those cuts should be made. For many years, an Iowa State University political science professor and I met several times a year for coffee and conversation. During our coffees, I probed my friends thinking on world affairs, on government issues, and on politics in Iowa and across the United States. I suspect he tried to use these get-togethers to give me a something of a graduate-level seminar in American government, absent any lectures. Educators these days are frequently accused of trying to indoctrinate their students with a particular point of view. But what I came to realize during those sessions at the Stomping Grounds coffee shop in Ames was fundamental to excellence in teaching. The professor did not tell me what to think. He tried to get me to think more clearly and to analyze with more sophistication and depth. He helped me spot weaknesses in my own opinions and develop a better understanding of factors that may lead other people to see things differently than I did. After retiring, my friend sold his acreage and left Iowa for a more scenic place to live. Our caffeine intake has declined, but we still stay in touch via email. Last week, the professor's stomping grounds student field-tested the professor's method of posing challenging questions to get people to re-examine their own opinions and see why some people have a different view than other people. Senator Joni Ernst has posted a series of social media comments in recent weeks in which she made clear her feelings about the nation's growing debt and about President Joe Biden's controversial decision to forgive $9 billion in student loan debt. She posted last week on X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, this statement, quote, Yesterday alone, our national debt increased $275 billion. We cannot continue saddling future generations with trillions of insurmountable debt. It's time for Washington to stop spending money we don't have. End of quote. Taking my cue from the coffee shop Socrates, I responded to Ernst's comment by posting. So am I to assume you will be pushing in the new farm bill to end the taxpayer subsidies that cover two-thirds of the cost of premiums for farmers' crop and revenue insurance? The senator did not respond to my comment. But 30,000 people around the country have read our exchange, according to X's statistics. Almost 800 did give Ernst and me the benefit of their thinking. Touche, wrote a political consultant from Massachusetts. Another person wrote, 
independent American farmers, no less, demand no less. A reader called John commented, John Deere driving welfare queens? Whatever happened to bootstraps? Another reader wrote, or end fossil fuel subsidies, or cut the defense budget, or undo more of the tax, excuse me, the Trump tax cuts. A Florida lawyer wrote, don't get me started on crop insurance, which America should be subsidizing instead of paying for cheese we will never eat. There was this comment about Ernst concerns over insurmountable debt. But you voted for Trump's tax cuts for the rich, $8 trillion in four years. A reader calling himself Average Joe Iowan wrote, We can't eat ethanol. It comprises over half of the Iowa corn Iowa's farmers produce. There is room to cut farm subsidies. A reader in Minnesota asked, If farmers are so successful, why do they need government handouts? And then there was this take on the postings Ernst and I made. Ernst, no, not that insurmountable debt. But there were other readers who reacted strongly to what they see as the negative consequences of cutting taxpayer subsidies for federal crop insurance. That would send land prices in the Midwest sharply lower. Lots of repercussions. A reader from Western Iowa added, yeah. Why not go after farmers? Another reader calling herself Lady Patriot wrote, Randy would rather see Iowa farmers fail. Thanks to Joni, that won't happen. To which another person wrote, It's okay, Randy. You get your food from the grocery store. Correct? One reader was even more pointed. Let's also end taxpayers subsidizing health care. And we don't have to stop there. We can end all sorts of subsidies for people who produce nothing. That wouldn't make more sense now, would it? Or maybe you can just shut an Iowan with a similar view, minus a desire to stuff a sock in my mouth, wrote. You should see flood insurance. Let's end taxpayers funding that, too. And then we can do the same to the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, let's end subsidies for those who produce nothing. The list is endless. Back to my professor friend. He saw what I was doing on the X platform and responded to those who criticized my post. Farm subsidies and paying farmers to not grow a crop is in the bullseye of people from non-farm states. Cutting government spending is difficult because my crucial program farmers, may be deep state waste of money to other Americans. As usual, my friend had a broader takeaway from the back and forth from the posts Ernst and I made. It's easy for us to agree there is room for the federal government to reduce spending. But the challenge comes in trying to get people to agree where those cuts should be made. With the current divisions between Democrats and Republicans in Washington, and even among Republicans, it is difficult these days for members of Congress to agree when to go to lunch or whether to have coffee. And that was by Randy Evans. Here's the neighbor's uh, column. This year, it's three war veteran shares his story. Maurice Huffman spent a total of 18 years overseas serving the U.S. in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam for the Navy and Army. 
Maurice Huffman's story takes him all over the globe during his time in the military, which began at a young age. At 17 years old, he needed his parents' signature in order to join the Navy in 1944. Huffman traveled the world as a result, lasting from 1944 to 1976 all over the U.S., Japan, Italy, Germany, South Korea, Vietnam, and more. During his time in Italy, Hoffman had top-secret clearance and ended up meeting his future wife, Elena Hoffman, uh, in 1961. Hoffman's pace of medals includes American Campaign 1944 to 1946 World War II, Asiatic Pacific Campaign 1944 to 1946 World War II, Army Occupation Japan-Germany 1945 World War II, World War II Victory 1945, National Defense 1950 to 1956, Army Good Conduct 1955 to 1976, Vietnam Service 1965 to 1969, Bronze Star, 1966, Vietnam, and Army Commendation, 1969, Vietnam. The pin is for the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross with Palm Citation in 1969. The blue patch is for the user Germany, 1955 to 1957. In 1951, Hoffman taught basic training at Fort Eustis where some major names came through during his time. Sandy Sadler, a three-time world champion boxer. Vern Law, who won a Cy Young Award while playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Major League Baseball icon, Willie Mays. Hoffman pulled off an incredible display of rising through the ranks, going from corporal to sergeant in just 90 days. During his time in the Navy, he witnessed three atomic bomb tests. While he was aboard the USS Ajax, Huffman had some run-ins with wildlife. I saw rats on there bigger than cats, said Huffman. The rats weren't the only ones, however. We had a cement barge with animals on it to see how the radiation would affect them. Goats, sheeps, and pigs. The only thing that survived that first test was a pig. One pig. I never saw any dead fish, though. That's funny. The water there was only about 90 feet deep, Huffman said. In the second test, the explosion happened underwater. Huffman recounts that they didn't return to that test site for 30 days. When they did return, the evidence of radiation was everywhere. We were guinea pigs, said Huffman. Huffman arrived in Saigon, Vietnam for the first time in 1965, before the U.S. had started to build up its military bases. He managed local civilian maintenance workers. Saigon is known, is known as the Pearl of the Far East. It was beautiful. It got so crowded from the people from the countryside coming in looking for protection. I lived in a hotel over there. They blew up three of them around me. His second time in Vietnam was in 1968. Huffman says he took care of the 101st Airborne Division. They worked on building roads and bunkers in northern Vietnam. One of his proudest achievements during his time in the service was never losing a man, he said. After Vietnam, Huffman was sent to Germany um, at a place known as Hitler's Retreat. 
Huffman was given a copy of Hitler's maps to traverse through the underground caves he used to escape from Germany to Austria. He particularly enjoyed this stint of service because his wife was able to join him for it, and Huffman recalls the two riding their bikes together throughout the city. Once he retired from the military as sergeant major, Huffman originally went to New Ulm, Minnesota, and eventually moved to Windsor Heights in 1973, where he lived for 35 years. He now resides at the 3801 Grand Retirement Campus. He is surrounded by his countless military memories and mementos with his 15-year-old orange cat, Watu. Huffman worked in Des Moines Public Services for 13 years before eventually retiring. Some of the things he has enjoyed in his free time included gardening. He says he grew the best tomatoes, sitting outside, and playing bingo. And there's a small black and white picture of Huffman and his wife on their wedding day. He's in a black suit with a white shirt and a black bow tie. And she has on a knee-length dress with a short veil pulled back. She has on uh, white gloves that go up to her elbows and the skirt is fluffed out and she has on white high heels and they're both smiling out at the camera. And then there's another larger picture here of Maurice. He has on uh, a ball cap. It says World War II Korea Vietnam veteran. It has a lot of medals across the front. And he's sitting in front of a bookcase, and he's holding what looks to be about a two-and-a-half, three-foot case with glass. And encased in the glass, you see um, a lot of his medals and pins. And that was on Maurice Huffman. Uh, we'll end this segment with a question, Ask City View. This is the question. Now that Des Moines University is moving to West Des Moines, what will happen to its campus on Grand Avenue at 37th Street? And here's the answer. Founded in 1898, Des Moines University is the second oldest osteopathic medical school in the country. They made the decision to move to a new state-of-the-art campus in West Des Moines at 8025 Grand Avenue in June of 2023 leaving its previous residence in Des Moines. With their departure, the university leaves behind a prime piece of real estate valued at $78.7 million as of 2020. When asked for any comment on progress of the sale of the campus, Director of Marketing and Communication Denise Lampier responded, quote, Des Moines University continues to look for opportunities to grow our programs to respond to the health needs of Iowa and the nation. No specific decisions have been made at this time. End of quote. Well, that's it for this first episode of City View. Uh, we've been reading from the November 2023 issue. Thanks for sharing your time with IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicapped. If you have any questions about this or any other IRIS program, give us a call at 515-243-6833. And thanks again for listening.
In Africa, five-year-old Cheru has no choice. She and millions like her must walk miles every day for dirty water. But together, we can end their walk by providing clean water close by. Instead of spending hours walking to get water that makes them sick, girls can be in a classroom that expands their minds and moms will gain back time to care for their families. Sons and daughters can grow up strong, finally free of sicknesses caused by dirty water. At World Vision, care about clean water runs deep. Deep enough to reach one new person with clean water every 10 seconds. Because every child, every person, everywhere deserves clean water and the chance to rise to their full potential. It's true. When you just add water, you change a life. Learn more at worldvision.org.